We have been talking on the armor of God um, this last few months, really, we've been looking at the armor of God. And um, we're down now to looking at the, the shield of faith. But let me just read through the armor of God again, just to refresh ourselves in it. And, um, and then we'll get into the shield of faith again. But um, Ephesians 6 and verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in higher heavenly places. In other words, we're, we're dealing with the enemy. And it's one of the things, if you read through the book of Ephesians, you see you see in chapter 1 that Jesus is far above principalities, powers, might, and dominion in the, in, in the ascension. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But in chapter 2, then, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we're above principalities, powers, might, and dominion. And then when you come into chapter 4, it lets us, or chapter 3, sorry, it lets us know that we're the church. And God's getting glory in and through the church. And through the church, God is displaying his wisdom to all of the principalities and powers. God is getting glory in and through people like you and people like me. And that's why we put this armor on, because we're going to engage the enemy. When you're going to make a difference in the kingdom of God, when you're going to represent the name of Jesus, you will engage the enemy. It's going to come against you, but we have been provided armor so that we can withstand anything that he comes against us with. So we don't live in fear. He's beneath us. But, we're not, but if we're stupid and we don't understand his tactics, he'll whip us. So we don't want Satan getting, getting an advantage. Even though we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and we're going to be with Jesus forever and ever. We're in life now, and this is like the battlefield is taking place now. There is a warfare, and some people go to extremes in warfare and stuff like that, but there is a warfare. We do have an enemy. Satan comes through people who he still has influence over. And so that's why we're not wrestling flesh and blood. So when things come against us, it's not, it's not the person there is spiritual entities out there that are influencing people. So as believers, God's best for us is to be underneath the influence of the Holy Ghost. So you're going to be underneath the influence of something. And there are people who are under the influence of the enemy. And that could be as simple as just coming against us, getting under our skin, all of those kind of things. And so the enemy is real. Um, he comes through flesh and blood. But the armor is what protects us and what keeps us um, going forward in God and taking ground. Because we will engage. Once you put on uh, uh, the name of Jesus and you represent that name, there is an enemy that hates that name. This world system hates Jesus. So it's, it's not, the system isn't going with the flow of God. So when you're going with God, you are going to bump into the enemy. And we don't have to be afraid of him. But we will engage the enemy as we go forward. Because we are in a battle. But praise God, we have the Holy Ghost living in us. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. There's more for us than there is against us. Amen. If God before us, who can be against us? My God always causes me to triumph. So, and when you put the armor of God on, Satan hasn't got a chance. But if you take him on in the flesh, he'll beat you. If you try to outsmart him, he'll beat you. He's been about a long time. But as long as we engage him in the armor of God, 
We'll keep going forward. Praise God. So um, the, the Bible tells us to put on the whole armor of God that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. And then it tells us your loins girt about with truth. So you put on the belt of truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench some of the fiery darts. Not all. See, the enemy does come, but the shield of faith is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And he will take shots at you. So sometimes people, I don't want to hear about that. You know what? I thought just being a Christian was going to, you know, Thunderland. You know? (laughs) No, there's joy in the kingdom of God. We have a joy that the world didn't give and the world can't take away. We have a peace that the world didn't give and the world can't take away. You can be in this world and be of good cheer. Jesus told us to be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so we don't live, you know, miserable or any of those kind of things. We live with the joy of the Lord. Yes, you can have joy in the storm. You can count it all joy in the storm. You can rejoice at all times. Amen. Even with Paul and Silas when they were in the prison, you know what? They began to sing and praise and magnify God because we have a joy that nothing can steal unless you let it. But there's a joy in you if you draw on it. And so it's not like it's Thunderland. I heard, you know, faith taught at the beginning and the impression that I got with faith, now the message of faith, the impression that I got with it at the beginning was like going down the canal. That was always the picture I had, going down to the canal with the umbrella up and, you know what, and drinking Coca-Cola kind of a thing and just going down the canal, just, just breezing along through life. And then you realize that it's not, it's more like a battlefield, okay? And, and, you know, you do have an enemy. And when you go to take ground in the kingdom of God, you do have an enemy. And it depends what level you're on. They often say, um, new level, new devil, you know what I mean? When you go to another level, there's, there's stronger attacks. And I've seen that, you know, in, in my life, when you go to another level, there's attacks that come at, at a higher level. And, um, but here's the thing. There's always more grace. And that's the thing. See, a lot of people focus on the devil. No focus on Jesus. A lot of people focus on the arrows. No focus on the shield of faith. Amen. A lot of people focus on, you know what, the enemy's coming and you know what the enemy has in their arsenal. No, we are under the grace of God. We are reigning life through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. As long as you keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll keep walking on the water. But if you take your eyes off Jesus, then you begin to sink. And, and the enemy will come with a storm and all of those kind of things. But you keep your eyes on Jesus and you keep going forward. Amen. Now, and then it says the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. And then prayer as well. We'll get looking at that as we go along. But the last couple of weeks we'd looked at the actual shield of faith. And we, we nailed it down that the shield of faith is trust in God. When you talk about faith, we're talking about it at the foundational level or of our ability to trust God. And the Bible tells us that God is a shield. And the Bible links um, the shield and it links trust in God together. We looked at it that uh, specifically last week, that part of it. And so uh, when we trust God, you know what? It's a shield for us. And we looked at that shield, how it's a massive shield, like it's four and a half foot or whatever high. And, you know, it surrounds you. It's not a wee... You know, small shield, this is something that will totally protect you. And I'm telling you, when you trust God, you are protected. 
And so no matter what the enemy brings, you trust God. And you trust God because you trust him and then you can trust what he says. And I said, you can only trust someone you know. So you get to know God through his word. And when you get to know God, then you start to know his character. You know what he's like. You know that all things are possible with God. You know that God is a, a, an awesome God. And what you can do then is you can trust God. You can trust God with your life. You can trust him with your family. You can trust him you know, with your health. You can trust him with your mind. You can trust him um, with your finances. You can trust him with your future. You can trust him with everything. And so when you get to know God, you can start out like, you know, I said last week, I started out my Christian walk where after a while of hearing things like on the faithfulness of God and stuff like that, the integrity of God's word um, and all of those kind of things. After a while, I started to realize that I can trust God. After a while, I started to realize God's word works. And I'm, I made my mind up at a young age. At 19, whenever I got saved, I made my mind up in that first year that, God, you're smarter than me. And that has, has kept me. I don't need to know it all. I don't need to, need to be able to figure it all out. And if you're going to walk by faith, stop trying to figure it all out. It's through faith you understand. The Bible says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed. We don't understand with this thing when it comes to God. Because a lot of things we read in the Bible, your head's going to find it hard figuring it out. But if you walk by faith, you'll just say, God, I believe you. Amen. I believe you. I don't have to have it all sorted out. It's like the seed, the Bible says, when you plant the seed, the farmer doesn't know how it works. But all he knows is that it does work. And I, I, I learned in the first year of getting saved that I can trust God. Now, if I've done that perfectly, no. But when you know that you can trust God and you, you start going down that right, God can correct you and teach you how to trust him more and more. When you come up against something, you learn that you can trust him in that arena. In another arena, you learn how to trust him in that arena. And after a while, you realize, God, you're looking after me. God, you're taking care of me. You know, I face storms. You know, uh, instead of running from the storm, I put the armor of God on. You know, uh, when we put the armor of God on tactically, we should never take it off, okay? When it says put it on, that means a one-time action, put it on. But sometimes, sometimes we do take a part off here and there, but we shouldn't. But you know what, if you do and you set it down, put it on and say, God, I'm going to trust you and go and face this. See, when you, see, every storm you come out of, you've gained experience that God looks after you. And after a while, you realize, here comes another one, I can trust you again. Here comes another one, I can trust you again. Praise God, and you get out the other side of it and you go, God, you were faithful. Praise the Lord, you have never let me down. You're such a good God, you're a faithful God. I may have let you down over the years, Lord, but you've never let me down. Amen. And after a while, you realize you can trust God. And so when the storm comes, your shield goes out. Amen. You get behind that shield and you realize, God, I'm protected. I trust you. Amen. Tonight, I'm going to go to the next part of the armor, or the next part of the shield, I should say, is that the Bible says, above all, taking the shield of faith. We're, we're with our our. With it, only with it, where with means um, is talking about only by this will you be able to quench one all the fiery darts of the wicked. The, uh, the wicked is talking about is the wicked one. So Satan comes against us, it might not be him directly, but it's his kingdom, and he does come against us. But you have the shield of faith, and the shield of faith is able to quench all the fairy darts of the wicked. Amen? Now, I love the way this is worded because it says we're with, 
wherewith you shall be able. Do you know what, do you know what that means? That means you have to trust God. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not enough to, to say even statements like this. I'm not a lover of statements like this. No, people say God's in control. Yeah, you like on, on, the, on the scale of everything, yes, God's in control. Okay, like, you know, everything's going to work out. You can read the Bible. You know God's not out of control in the sense of life. But here's the thing. God made man and God gave man a free will. And when God, God made Adam, he, he gave man authority. And you know what? If you want your shield to land in the shade, it'll, it'll lay there. God's not going to pick it up for you. God provides the armor. But a lot of people say things like this here. If it's not for you, you know what? It'll pass you. Somebody say, if, it, if it's not for you, it'll pass you. Or if it's for you, it won't pass you. No, that's not the way we live. That's haphazard. That's... Kesara, sara, whatever will be, will be. That's just, you know what, you know what, uh, if it be thy will. We don't live by if it be thy will. We live by the word of God is his will. Only once in the Bible did, um, did um, um, someone say to Jesus, if it be thy will, and Jesus said, I will. When the la- with the leper, when Jesus came down the mountain after giving the minister and the sermon on the mount, Jesus came down the mountain and met a leper, and the leper said, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I will. One translation, I love it because it says, of course I will. In other words, that is his will. Settle it. Healing is the will of God. You don't have to ask God, is it your will to heal? It is God's will to heal. Amen. healing is the will of God amen um, the only other time where you use the word if in your prayer is in a prayer of consecration Jesus prayed that before he went to the cross he said if there was another way and many of them, there was no other way to save us but what Jesus was saying if there was another way you know what I would take the other way because he was under tremendous pressure in the garden of Gethsemane, sweating great drops of blood. I mean, he was in anguish of soul, facing tremendous pressure. And Jesus prayed what we call a prayer of consecration. And he said, if there was another way, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Okay? You pray that prayer when it comes to your life. I've prayed that prayer. I'm sure you have as well. God, here's my life. God, whatever it is you have for me. I yield myself to you. That's the prayer of consecration. The only time you pray if is you're talking to God and saying, God, if you wanted me to go here, if you wanted me to do that, God, I would do whatever you want me to do. My life is yours. I consecrate my life to you. Amen. But you see, when it comes to the known will of God, you don't ever have to pray if. Amen. Never. You could ask God, like for instance, like if you had two jobs, you can say, God, is it this one or is this one? You know God wants to increase your life. You know that's the will of God, but you might not know the direction. So you're saying, God, I submit myself. God, if you want me to go here, I'll go here. If you want me to go there, God, whatever your will is in this situation, you need to know the will of God where to go. But when it comes to does God want to increase your life, you don't ever have to pray, pray that because you know you can declare you can declare what the, God, what the word says. My God supplies all my needs, etc. Amen. Praise the Lord. But you know what? It's, it's, 
you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And then it says, you shall be able. Able means um, the ability is there. Now, we take up the shield, but we stand in the power of his might. So even though that it's, it's in our control, we're not trusting in ourselves. We trust in him. So it's not where you're trying to take... If you try to take a devil on in the flesh, he'll beat you every time. But if you take him on in the armor of God, he hasn't a chance. So it's, it's knowing that it, it's up to me to believe God because you don't fall into faith. You have to exercise your faith. You have to trust God on purpose. You have to say what God says about you. Amen. You have to trust him and go that direction in faith. But you're not leaning on yourself. You're, you're leaning on him. Um, you're standing in his might. And when it talks there about, you know, um, Abel, it's the word um, we would get um, dunamis. It's the ability of God. It's the power of God. Praise God. It actually uses that same word in, in verse 11 and in verse 13, where it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able. That's dunamis. But the only way you're, you have the ability is in the armor of God and you stand in the power of his might. Praise God. So we're talking about you being able when you take the shield of faith. By the shield of faith, you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, okay? Now, I'm building this up here, but when you talk about quench, quench is like simply, you know, the illustration always sticks in my head because um, um, Pastor San used to always use it, it's just always stuck in my head. When you use quench, you know, it's like wetting your finger and thumb and doing that to a candle. Yeah, what do you do? You quench the flame. And you know, the shield of faith will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So there's nothing that the devil can throw at you that faith can't overcome. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith overcomes the world. Amen. Um, you know, when you think about quenching, the Bible tells us not to quench the Holy Ghost. So when you quench the Holy Ghost, it's like the Holy Ghost is moving and you go, no, we don't do that in our church. Amen. No, we don't. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. We don't believe in that tongues thing or anything like that. What do you do? It's just like wetting your finger and thumb and quenching it and saying, no, we, we don't do any of that. Yet the Bible tells us not to despise prophesying. And the Bible tells us not to quench the Holy Ghost. And so we shouldn't quench um, the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost is speaking to us as well, we shouldn't quench the Holy Ghost. When he's ministering to our heart and directing us, being led and guided by the Holy Ghost, sometimes we can go, no, no. Forgive that person. Oh, no. <laughs> Give to that person. Whoa. No, 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 no. You see, we can do it as well. But the shield of faith, it is able to quench. Now, here's another verse here I'll just throw out as well, because I'll, I'll play off this in a moment, which is a great verse on love. In Songs of Solomon 8 and verse 7, it talks there about um, um, the woman's love here for the beloved. 
Okay? And it says, Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the flood drown it. And you know what? We can liken that to marriage. We can liken that onto um, our love for God as well. You know, many know God loves us. We love him because he first loved us. He'll never put out his love for you. But you know what? When you fall in love with him, that's a love that can't be quenched either. So uh, uh, just like um, this is that responsive kind of love back. But you can see there that many waters can't quench that love. And this, I'll bring us out um, as we go along here this evening, talking about the, the fairy darks and what they are. But real love, you know what? It's, it's a love that's not quenched, okay? Now, praise God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would be another illustration of fire. Um, even though the fire still blazed, it couldn't hurt them. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 that the violence of the fire was quenched. So in other words, still the fire was quenched as in what fire was for. The fire was, what was it to do? To burn them. May know the Bible says you go through the fire, but you will not be burned. So the enemy can come against you and there can be fire all around you. I'll show you in a second with these darts what they did. But you know what? You can have fire all around you. You can even feel the heat of it and all of that kind of thing. And it will not burn you. You can see. You can see the attacks of the enemy. But it will not burn you. You know, Shadrach, and, uh, Shadrach Meshach and Abednego, what did they do? They trusted God. They said, you throw us in there. Our God will deliver us. That's what they said. Amen. And then when they threw them in. When they threw them in, you know, it was heated up even more. You know, they were thrown in. The people throwing them in, they were killed. And there they are walking about in the fire. Just walking about in it. And then there's a fourth man there, praise God. Which is the angel of the Lord. Who in the Old Testament, that was... Um, um, a, theos- a theosinase, I believe is how you pronounce it. It's um, or a Christophanes. It's a, um, it was Jesus manifesting. You may know Jesus has always been a manifested member of the Godhead. And if you look in the Old Testament, many times when it talks about the angel of the Lord, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And one showed up in that fire, like, you know, and they, they're seen. This is, did we not throw three in there? Now there's four? And when they came out, the Bible says there wasn't even the smell of smoke on them. See, fire is violent. And the enemy is violent. But praise God, we have to be violent as well. The kingdom of God suffers violent, but the violent take it by force. In other words, we have that same passion in us in a, from a different angle. Amen. The enemy may come with his fire, but we have fire as well. Amen. You can go through the fire and not be burned. You can go through the water and not be drowned. So we don't go through life and not face things in life. But here's the thing. You never face life alone. You have God with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. No matter what you face in life, you're never alone. You can trust God. You can put up the shield of faith and it'll quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Amen. Now, I want to look at the fiery darts for a bit. Now, when you talk about fiery darts, you can look at fiery darts as any attack of the enemy. Okay. 
So any attack from the enemy, you know what, the Bible lets us know that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. So he does fashion weapons against all of us. And Satan knows our strengths and weaknesses as well. And he knows how to shoot at all of us, okay? So you could say that all of the, of the attacks of the enemy are fiery darts. But I, I want to just try to explain this for a bit and just try and narrow it down. Just to some things that we can look at with the, the, the darts, okay? Now, when the Bible talks about fiery, this will help explain it. In the Old Testament, it talks about fiery serpents, Okay, fiery snakes. Do you know what a fiery snake is? It's a poisonous snake. Okay? So it's a, a snake that has venom. And when a snake bites you, where does it bite from in the first place? From the what? In the mouth. I'm telling you, this is where darts come out. Okay? So when a snake bites, what happens is that venom gets into your blood. And... That blood flies through your body. I mean, it goes at some pace through your body. And they say anybody that's been bit by a a poisonous snake will tell you that the venom, it burns you. There's a burning sensation goes right through you. Okay? I I know whenever I um, had to get... um, a certain scan, I can't remember what it was, the CT scan or whatever, I had to get them several times. And... They, they pump a dye into your body. And they'll say that you're going to feel this. And I mean that sensation. When they pump it, it is, boom, it's like instant. You feel that just go right through your body. And you know what it is? You feel that heat go right through your body. Now, when, when a snake bites you, it's a fire. And it's a fire that spreads. It's a fire that's kind of like explosive. So when it gets in... It's going to, like, arouse certain things. That's what these darts are for, okay? Um, when the Bible talks about fiery, uh, the word in, in Ephesians talking about fiery, what it means is it means to ignite, to be inflamed, and it gives a couple of examples of it in the Strong's. To be inflamed or ignited with, like, anger, grief, Lust, you could put a list in there, fear, panic, all of those kind of things. Let me tell you, when the enemy comes with words, it is amazing if you let them in what it can do. Panic can go through you like like venom. Fear can go through you like venom. You understand? Words bring fear. Words bring panic. Words can bring lust. It can bring sexual lust. It can bring a lust for just things. You know, it's like a um, <laughs> credit card, <laughs> credit card lust. You know, trying to. <laughs> you know, a credit card can be a wonderful thing, and then it can be a dangerous thing because the. The ability to, to just go and get stuff. Um, one of the best things is whenever that is out of control is, is a pair of scissors. 
And then when you can control it, then a credit card can be a, a great thing, you know, because you can get a lot of things and build up credit and all of that kind of stuff. But it can also be a very destructive thing as well, because it can have a passion for, oh, I'll get that and I'll get that and I'll get that. And the word fire is the same word that is used for a natural sex drive, okay? Just talking about fire. But when it comes from the enemy, it's, it's, it's different. You know, when you look at when you look at, at, at sex in the, in, in the Bible, and the Bible talks about it, you know what, when I was growing up, you know, if you, if you, if you mentioned sex in, in a church setting, it was dirty. So it became something that you couldn't talk about, but then how are you meant to know the right? It was always just talking about the wrong. You know, fornication, you know, you're a fornicator, you, you know, you're adulterer, all of these kind of things. In my experience anyway, I, maybe it was and I just didn't hear, you know, I'm just saying, growing up, I, oh, my impression was, you know, if you talked, to, if you even mentioned that it was dirty or it was wrong and no instruction, no instruction, no guidance in it. So then you just had to, you know, figure things out by, you know, the, the lads all talking about what it is and all the rest of it, you know, and you're not going to learn that way, you know, talking about it, you know, what everybody else's opinion on it is. But, you know, the Bible says it's better to marry than to what? To burn. Do you know, there's a, there's a natural drive, which is good. And you know what? And it's, uh, you know, the Bible says the, the marriage bed is undefiled. And so, you know, knock yourself out. You know what I mean? Is what, I, what I tell people, like, you know what I mean? And, you, you know, to, in marriage, that's, that's you, you know, that's where people are comfortable, whatever goes on in their, in their marriage. You understand? And... But then there is a, a fire that's wrong. And the Bible says, you know what, um, it's not good for a man to touch a woman. And that's not saying that it's not good to touch a woman. It's saying outside of marriage, it's not. Do you know why? Because, you know, a, a woman's like, um, uh, or a man's like petrol and a woman's like a flame. And you know what? And the two come together and whoo! You understand? And, and that's what happens. And it's just because it's, it's there. It's, it's, it's a, there's a natural drive that's in. There's a natural burning that's there. But it's, it needs to be contained. That's why many times when you see people that are, that are, as the Bible says, you know, it's a doctrine of the devil to tell people, you know, not to marry. Because then you have people with a burning passion in them. And you know what? It can go on a, a, a wildfire. Because it's still there. But anyway, I'm just saying that's a, that's a natural passion. But you know what? You see, the enemy, he knows how to come with darts to try and ignite lust, to try and ignite a wrong passion. And he does it through words and in our generation, through images and through, you know, uh, media and all of them kind of thing. You know, you can't put on a show now. You can't put on a, a, a sitcom or something where it's comedy or funny or anything. This generation is coming at us full throttle. You know, the films that are being made today, I mean, they're, they're, some of them are absolute rubbish now. There's not, they've got a lot of things in it, but even the story isn't even good. Do you know what's, there's a lot of stuff that is just being made now. Hundreds of thousands, millions being put into stuff that is rubbish. But do you know what it is? It's a dart. Because again, it's things that can ignite passions. So, and you have natural things. God's put natural things in us. But God put a boundary to everything. Not to, not to stop our fun. Let me tell you, statistics show that the, the, the best sex 
is in marriage over a long period of time. The statistics show that, not, not um, you know, like Christian statistics, just statistics show because you're building up trust and love over a long period of time. But there is a boundary there because God puts a boundary to everything because of he loves us so much. Okay. Um, and with everything in life, we have all of these passions. You know, we have the ability to hate. Do you know what that's for? We're meant to hate. Hate the things of the enemy. Hate the devil. Amen. Hate sickness. Amen. Hate sin. We're, we're meant to hate evil, the Bible says. Abhor that, is the, that which is evil. God give us the ability to hate things. You know what? When you love something, you hate what could hurt it. So God has given us the ability to, to hate God has put all of these things in us, all of these emotions and passions and desires and all of them kind of things in us. But they're, they're, God has a place where you can really enjoy them and have them in the right place. But what the enemy does is he's with fiery darts, okay? And you can look and see many different things to do with fire in the Word of God. Like in Peter as well, just let me throw this out. In Peter, it talks about that they were facing fiery what, trials. Do you know they don't come from God? Any trial that comes against you, don't be saying God brought it. God is not bringing trials in our life. The Bible says when we're tempted, we're not tempted of God. God doesn't tempt any man with evil. Okay, when you have the enemy coming, trying to tempt you, to, to get you to explode in it, or explode in anger in it, or explode in fear, or any of those kind of things, that is not God. God doesn't come that way. That's not the way God operates. Um, that's the enemy at work. And so they were under fiery trials. They were facing a lot of opposition for advancing the kingdom of God. And what does Peter say? Peter says, don't think it a strange thing concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened unto you. In other words, what he's saying, if the enemy comes against you, don't, don't be saying back, oh, I can't believe the enemy came against me. It's like, it's like you know, um, doing UFC and... And the guy pins you down. You, like, you got into a ring. You know, it's like running away from the guy boxing. You, you stand in there all the gear on. Oh, this is great. The armor of God. This is great. It's like standing in the ring with the boxing gloves on. And then the guy punches you. What are you hit me for? No, it's a, it's a fight. There is a fight. The good news is, is we're not fighting for the victory. Jesus won the victory. Amen. We're fighting to stand in. We stay in faith. We fight the good fight of faith. We're, we stay in Stand in our victory. Amen. But again, what it's showing is, don't think it a strange thing. And then it says, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, what does it say? Happy are you. Do you know what reproaches are? Words. Words. Taunting. Making fun of you. Putting you down. Do you know where they come through? People. Influenced by the enemy. You know, if you've ever worked, like, I'm sure Sam, you'd know as well, on, on the building site, David. I'll tell you if you, can if you can hack a building site, you can hack anywhere. Sure. Oh boy, I tell you, I, I've been called everything you can imagine on a building site for serving God. Here he comes, Holy Moses. Here comes Jesus walking on the water, walking on the water. Walk. You know, just making fun of you. Do you know, do you know it's, it's the enemy. Many have faced the enemy taunt you or 
criticize you or make fun of you or you're some person this here bringing up your past all of those kind of things do you know what they are darts but thank God the, the shield of faith is able to deal with every single one that's why you trust God see when the enemy comes against you um, you know taunting you like that you know the people that, are, that those things come through we're to love them they're not our enemy we're to love, we're to forgive. And you know, the only way you'll do that is if you trust God. That's the shield of faith. God, I could get in the flash here, I'm going to put up the shield. I thank you, Lord, as it says here, that the spirit of, of glory and God rests on me. I may be facing pressure, but the spirit of glory and God rests on me. Praise God. God's fixing to promote me. Amen. That's the way. You, see, if you trust God, you're going to do it God's way. Whereas if you're in the flesh, you're going to do it your way. So when somebody comes against you with words, and you put up that shield and say, God, I'm going to trust you. You said to love them. You said to forgive them. God, I'm going to trust you. I look stupid because naturally I should get in there with them. Naturally I should give them a few words back. But when they come against us and we bless them, do you know what you're doing? You're trusting God. Amen. And Satan's not getting an advantage. That's how you use the, the shield of faith. Um, Luke 6 and verse 20, 22 says, Blessed are you when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you. You see that? When you're reproached. And cast out your name as evil. Tell you you're evil. You're evil for believing in a man and a woman. You're evil for believing. You're a bigot. You bigot. You know what that is? That starts. You know what you do? You, you stand for the truth. You don't back off the truth. But you know what you do? You walk in love. You pray for those people who come against you. See, you can see how you have to trust God. It's, sometimes it's easier said than done. But that's why faith comes out of knowing God when you know God then you can even trust God in those hard situations the Bible says for in, in um, Romans 15 and verse 3 it says for even Christ pleased not himself but it is written the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me let me tell you, Jesus took, see all our shame, every word that's ever been spoken against us, everything that would make, you know where people make us look stupid, look like idiots. Do you know Jesus took the shame of all of that? Do you know Jesus had his beard plucked out? He hung on a cross naked, and they spat in his face all things to do with shame. Walked that walk of shame. That's why when you see him taking your shame, you can love people. Because the value of it, it's lost its value. Because you see that Jesus took that. What am I left with? To bless him. Lord, I trust you. So I can bless even people that spit in my face. Who criticize me, who taunt me, who make fun of me. I can love them. Not using the shield of faith. Um, the Bible says, here, here's a great scripture on that. It says, um, 1 Timothy 4 and verse 10, it says, Therefore we both labor and suffer reproach. So we're going forward in God, but we're facing opposition. 
But we keep going forward in God. And do you know why Paul said we can do that? Because we trust in the living God. That's your shield of faith. See, the reason we can keep going forward, even though when people come against us, is because we trust in God. We lift up that shield, and it's just like flames flying everywhere. In Him. I'll just stay in this part and we'll close this evening with these couple of things. But, you know, Elizabeth faced reproach. You look at all these things in the Bible, you know, it was words. John the Baptist, mom, do you know what it was? Because she couldn't get pregnant. And so she had all of the words that were spoke to her because of the culture of the society. All of the shame. I, I, um, I've known people with their culture that if you didn't have a male son, it was a shame. I've seen people have child after child after child. You're up five, six, seven daughters and still going to remove that stigma in the culture. Thank God there's none of that shame in the kingdom of God. Jesus took all of our shame. But when she, was, when she got pregnant, the, she said the, the reproach was taken away, the reproach of men. You know what? Jesus took all of our approach. Every word that has ever been spoken against us, Jesus has took it all. He's took all of our shame. Amen. Um, Hannah, isn't it Hannah? Samuel's mom. She's the same. And she talked about it. And if you look at the prayer in, um, in um, chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, you will see the reproach that she faced and it was taken away. And one of the greatest ones is David took away the reproach that Goliath brought on the children of Israel, the Bible tells us. And do you know what he was doing? Shooting out fiery darts. He, got, he defied the armies of Israel. He defied them. You know what was he doing? He was shooting darts. And here's something you see about darts, what they do. When they attack and they get through, they spread. Okay? So just like I said, that venom, what happened in the camp? There was fear all the way through the camp. Why? Because of Goliath's words. Darts are words. And when they strike and get in, it can bring fear. Fear, is, fear cripples people. We've seen it with a pandemic. You know, the, over the last few years, the, yeah, the fear was tangible. Tangible fear. What was it? Yes, was there a virus? Yes. I'll tell you what the biggest virus was. Words. Words of fear. Crippled people. Words of fear. Now here's the thing about David. See, I'll bring this out. I'm going to come back to this here because I'm only tipping around the surface of it here. But you know what? David had words to say as well. And we have words. See, you can fight fire with fire. Amen. The Bible says that the tongue is a fire. The Bible says that the tongue it can have poison in it over in James. And that word poison, again, it means venom. Again, fiery darts are fire from the mouth that when you allow the words in, 
It's like as if it gets in you. Just like when fear gets in, it rushes through you. Panic rushes through you. Lust can rush through you. Lust for things can rush. It's a fire that is not from God where the enemy comes to get you off track, to stop you, to put a passion in you for the wrong thing. Amen. But I've learned this. One of the best ways to deal with the fire of the enemy is to have the fire of God. And when you have the fire of God in you, let me tell you, you have something burning in you already. You have a passion burning in you already. You have a passion for God. So when the enemy comes, let me tell you, it's not able to penetrate the same because you have a passion for God. And what does that come down to? Words. Do you know what it is? It's a battle of words. What is the shield of faith? You trust in God's word. What is the darts where you trust in the enemy's words? And that's what it comes down to. It's a battle of words. So if you trust in God, you can lift up the shield of faith. And you can say, God, I trust you. Or else if the enemy speaks, and you go, It's like people say, the devil said, the devil said, who cares? Many people say, the devil said, so what What does God say? That's the bottom line, is what does God say? The only way those darts can get through to us is when we value those words more than we value God's word. When you value God's word, you trust in God's word, and it's just like, the darts hit the shield. When we panic and go, but the devil said, or the news said, or whoever said, or they said that about me. They said I'm ugly. Well, God says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Which one are you going to believe? Amen. They said I'm going to die. God says you'll live and not die. It, it comes down to a place of trust. They said you'll amount to nothing. God says, I have, a, I have a wonderful plan for your life. You're my workmanship, created onto good works. What are you going to believe? See, that's what it, it's a battle of words. Do you trust what God says, or do you trust the enemy? The fire is coming from this way, but you have to have a fire in you of God's word burning towards it. Amen? And we'll get into a wee bit more on that next week. Amen.